Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much for being here as always. Thanks for listening, subscribing and all that jazz. Arsenal are back. That's right. After a winter lull, a break in the sunshine, some days off, some rest, recuperation, uh, rejuvenation, recharging those batteries. The team had a training camp in Dubai. They got down to some serious work, some hard sessions, physical work work, tactical work, uh, formations, systems, and most importantly of all, camels. That's right. Our players got to ride around on camels. And you might be wondering, how on earth does that help us? But I'm telling you, this is foresight. This is wisdom. This is, this is seeing the future before it happens. We are getting ahead of the game. No question about it. I don't know if you've seen the news reports, but apparently it's 20-odd degrees in Antarctica at this moment in time. That's not normal. That's not right. That shouldn't be happening. And pretty soon the world is going to be a dry, barren, arid landscape, basically a massive desert, and camel football, the Camel Premier League, is pretty much where we're heading. It's the only way we're going to be able to do it. Players won't be able to run around in that heat. Camels, they're already set up for it. What with their, you know, their their humps and shit, you know? You got the, the two-hump guy who's called a double humper and the mono-hump camel. And, uh, you know, Aubameyang, Lacazette, you see them on the back of those camels? As the old slogan goes, always ahead of the game. Didn't see Pep Guardiola on any camels, did you? And he's supposed to be the genius. Anyway... Let's hope that the trip has done them some good from a footballing point of view, a personal point of view, and that they can now start winning some games again because, well, basically that's, that's the whole point of it. Newcastle on Sunday, then we've got Olympiacos in the, uh, in the Europa League. I was almost going to say Champions League. How ridiculous is that? Uh, and then we've got Everton next weekend. So the games are coming thick and fast and uh, winning, winning, that's where we need to be. So we're going to talk about Arteta, we're going to talk about the training camp, we're going to talk about some of the players, what the rest of this season might bring, and we'll have a little bit of a discussion on this week's show, because there hasn't been much Arsenal news this week, because they've been away and all that kind of crack, so there's nothing really current, so we're going to look at what's going to happen, and I'm glad to welcome two guests with me uh, to have this discussion. First up, you'll know him, of course, from the Arsenal Vision podcast, Clive Palmer. Hi, Clive. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for being here. And we have Andrew Allen. Hello, Andrew. Hello there. Clive, can I start with you? And over the course of the last week, when the players have been away, they've been in Dubai, some warm weather training. They've obviously had a a grand old time out there. But 
there was sort of a, a litany of players talking about life under Mikel Arteta and comparing it, I suppose, to life under Unai Emery. And the general theme of all these conversations was it's better now than it was. Um, some of them were a mm. bit more upfront about it. Some of them were very more diplomatic than others. But the general consensus or the, the sort of the theme throughout everything that they were saying was we're happier we feel better. We understand the coach better. We we understand the football he wants to play better. Have they, in doing that, put pressure on themselves to perform or pressure on Mikel Arteta to achieve results or both? I think it's a little bit of both, but I think, I think more on themselves, actually, because... You know, we've all been watching the, since uh, the Emery regime and what's come out of it. So the first year, we fell on our faces at the last hurdle. Second second year, it just belief was gone and people lost belief in him and um, players made their feelings quite clear and their performances. Then we had the, the sort of Freddie in pass for a few weeks when we lacked a little bit of direction and leadership, managed to win and that was great. And then we go on to the Arteta era and everything feels better. Everything looks better. We understand it. We've all become unbelievable football analysts because the, <laughs> the pattern of play is so clear. So we're all watching this thing. This is great. Well, look at everyone dropping into left back and we're overloading on the left side. It's beautiful. But in the end, you have to win games. And we just have not won enough. And these are the same group of players. And they've got the excuses are running out. Right. And yeah. and so I think the pressure is on the players to really deliver now because the environment and the, it's just there for you. You've got the you've got a coach you like, you have a system you like, you understand what you're doing. So what you've got to do now is turn up, show up, play well, with personality and deliver. And I think that's put a lot of indirect pressure on the players. Maybe they want it. Uh, I yeah. hope they do. But, um, you know, look at the recent history. Arsenal under pressure is not a good look. Right, so let's see what they do. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it hasn't been our greatest um, quality in recent times, Andrew, the, the, the ability to produce under pressure. But it could just be simply a case that they really do feel a lot better. They feel a lot better about um, training and playing and the structure and, and all those kind of things. And the pressure of um, talking about that is inevitable anyway because of the run that we've been on we haven't been winning games there's always going to be pressure to make results better so do you think they will feel that do you think that they you know you know the way we'd always have these uh, little jokes amongst ourselves when uh, before a game you know Arsene Wenger might say something like uh, Ibue is a pass master or you know defensively we're much better from corners and then in the next game we can see three goals from corners stuff like that do you think that's something they even consider honestly i think they need to put a bit of pressure on themselves because this season has drifted so far off course that you know we're, we're we're so far down the league that we need to turn things around and i think you know i was reading an article in the guardian this afternoon and it was talking about the teams who are still going for the top four and there's six points separating quite a number of them whatever and we were nowhere near being mentioned and i feel like the players need to kind of 
crank things up and just realise, you know, there's a there's a hell of a lot of football to play in the second half of this season. And, you know, our performances in the Premier League are probably going to inform our performances in the FA Cup and in the uh, Europa League. So it's really important that they take it seriously and that they don't just sort of go into, well, this season's a kind of write-off. Let's just look at next season. I know that Hector was talking um, a lot about, you know, building for the future that there's a lot of kind of foundations being put in place at the moment. But, it, I mean, Clive's completely right. We need to start winning games. I mean, it's it's just to keep the fans on side. I feel, I feel like while everybody sort of feels that Arteta is the right man, if we don't win games, people will turn quite quickly. And, you know, the, the Sheffield United game um, was, you know, a bit frustrating at home because it was a lot of the same stuff. And um, we've seen that kind of play out in a few other games. And I think you can see where some of those problems are. And they're in you know, areas with established players. It's not young guys who are letting us down. It's the old guard. Um, I, I, I'm really, really hoping for, I mean, des- desperate for a win on Sunday because I really feel like there's, there's a fair amount of pressure to sort of change the, the narrative a little bit. If we can get a win, get going. I mean, I thought we were going to do that and build on the Manchester United result on New Year's Day. I thought mm. 2020, here we go, win, win. Let's let's go some. And it sort of just started again. So, yeah, it's it's... Yeah, it's it's can go either way at the moment. I think this season. Yeah, um, you just sticking with you very briefly, Andrew. We you talked about the old guard, and maybe they're not the ones that are doing it. We're going to talk about Mesut Ozil and Lacazette in a, in a few minutes' time. But uh, this week, speaking out in Dubai, uh, Ozil said our, our goal is to be in the Champions League. Uh, this year we had difficult times, but I think we're in a good way. When he talks about the Champions League, do you think that realistically they? believe they can get there via the Premier League or is the Champions League achievable now only via uh, a Europa League final win? I mean, honestly, it shouldn't be achievable in the league if the other clubs do anything near what they're supposed to do. They have the advantage over us and they shouldn't let it slip, really. Um, At the same time, this season's been so ridiculously unpredictable that you kind of feel like anything could happen. And if we could just build a run of three or four wins in a row, who knows? Realistically, though, I think Arteta is probably looking at the Europa League and thinking, you know, as the season progresses, if we get a result against Olympiacos and we start to sort of find ourselves up against some big teams, that he may well put the emphasis and the focus on that, just go all in on it and just hope that we can sneak in the back door. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the Premier League is really realistic i thought it might have been a few a uh, few games ago when you know we had games and we went ended up what drawing another three four in a row or something mm. um you know i thought just as we were building up into the new year i thought actually if we go on a run now we might do it but i think we've just ceded a bit too much time and ground clive what's realistic for us to expect because i think everybody can see that there's been an improvement. There's been an improvement tactically, organizationally, structurally, all those things. Results haven't improved, uh, you know, to to the point that we would like, certainly. Um, winning is a habit. Losing can become a habit. Is Are we in danger of drawing becoming a bit of a habit? Because when you look at the fixtures that we've got coming up, we've got Newcastle on Sunday, there's uh, Everton at home the following weekend, a tricky game, and, and the Ancelotti thing will be, uh, you know, an, an interesting sidebar to that. The Manchester City game is postponed because of their involvement uh, in, uh, is it the uh, Carabao Cup Carabao final? Cup, yeah. 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 
But after that, you've got West Ham, Brighton, Southampton, Norwich, Wolves. And then you get to Leicester. You get to the end of the season. It gets a little bit more tricky with Tottenham, Liverpool uh, and Leicester in, in, in short uh, time together. But, but looking at those fixtures, what, what is realistic for Arsenal fans to expect from this team this season based on what we've seen so far? I mean, we want to see results. We want to see improvement. But, but how much is actually realistic? Uh, it's a crazy year, right? Um, I, like many of your listeners, spend most of their time on Arsenal News now, refreshing for news. <laughs> and I, you know, I honestly keep wanting to refresh the Premier League table because <laughs> with that bit where it says six wins after 25 games, that's not realistic in any, in any part of my life, you know? So, um, and so what do I hope for the future? I mean, you know, we need to have the... The, the personality to take those draws in, into wins. I think we are we're showing a little bit of vulnerability and other teams smell it. They don't fear us and they're fighting us for longer. I think, you know, I'm all hopeful for a win on Sunday. But what's more importantly, it's, it's really important we really perform. I think we need to put a stamp down to say all this talk is real and there's a performance to back it up. We can try, you know, everyone's looking at our underlying metrics all look better. What we're doing on the ball, we can see less shots. You know, the, the, it's all looking great, but the game is about delivering on grass, and we're just not quite doing that. And I think there's going to be a moment in time when we are going to start to question, not maybe the, the coach, because I think we all generally like him, but I think we're going to question the quality of the players really quickly I do think transparency on player quality is um, it's, it's there for all of us to see we can see the numbers we can see the goal involvements I mean the article that Amy wrote this week is a great example on Ozil we can see exactly what he's done over the last few years you can't hide from it it's whether you have an opinion or not it's there in, in black and white you, it's there you know the the regression is there and there's, and there's regression in more than just one player and they have to responsibility to turn him around they own this now they own this and there's a set of games so called winnable games but we've mm. been through this before haven't we Andrew we've been through this before yeah. and we don't win those games and I think there is a there's, it's not just about performance it's about authority of performance what we're seeing is a club that's re-establishing themselves with some clarity of what they're trying to do on the pitch but I think we really need to re-establish our badge and say yes we're back and we're not just back of a 1-0, we're back of a 3-0, then another 3-0, then go away and have a continual sequence of games mm. that make people believe fully in what we're all really secretly seeing is really quite positive. Until that happens, I don't think we all, none of us can feel truly comfortable. Yeah, I just sticking with you, Clive, you talk about personality and you talk about, um, you know, having to go out and perform and to to do the bread and butter of the, of the Premier League, if you like. Do you feel perhaps, that, you know, one of the things that, that people were a little bit enthused about when it came to Unai Emery early on in his reign was our performances in big games. You know, mm. something that, that had been a bit of an issue under Arsene Wenger, that games against other teams in the, in the top six, you know, had been problematic for us. And, you know, we, we, uh, we had a really good, uh, performance against Liverpool in his first season. I remember being at that game with my brother 
Um, and, and it was a good performance at home against them. We beat Chelsea, we beat Tottenham. Uh, I can't remember what happened with Man United, but there was this sort of focus on what we did in the big games. And as the season went on, it was almost like we couldn't get ourselves up for, for this, as you say, the so-called winnable games. Um, do you think perhaps the focus shifted a little bit there? That the the assumption that we would be just okay in those games anyway, because they've you know they've always been the kind of games we've been okay in, and, yeah, and we I have to sort so. of find a way to 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 deal with those fixtures again. Yeah, I, I do think so. I think we became a little bit arrogant towards the end of last season, and we, I can't get the Palace and Brighton games out of my head. You mm. know, but there are others, Everton. You know, there are others where we just bowled into those games, thinking we're going to win them. And then when you end up seeing how we missed out in the Champions League and by the margin we missed out, that's a hugely expensive mistake, not just financially, but from a, a sporting perspective. I think this year, I think we just expected to continue to improve while not quite looking at who we'd lost from a player perspective and who we'd added. Now, that sort of player progression for younger players in particular, that drives inconsistency, but also adds a level of a lack of authority in the playing staff. You know, we can all look at a player like Reese Nelson and think, you know, he's going to be a good player. But, you know, we were, you know, whether you rate him or not, we were playing with Mkhitaryan, who has a reputation, you know. Now, when it comes down to it, his performance levels may have been inconsistent, but there's a level there that comes with that. There's a level of wages and there's a level of things that we don't like. But you're now saying, I have somebody established, I'm now putting somebody less established in. Now, the benefit of that will be seen going forward. And I think in these sequence of games, I, I do think, I do think really strongly, it is about refocusing us as a football club on taking one game at a time and really focusing on the results. I think from coming out of Dubai, I think what we're starting to see is a real focus on patterns, on structure, on roles, responsibilities. And I think they're focusing on themselves. I think they're internalizing what they need to do. And they so believe in what they need to do, they're then thinking the results will then take care of themselves. So almost we need to sort of take on the same behaviors. Let's really focus on what the team is doing, how the team is performing, how the players are performing. And if they do it right and have the bravery under key high-pressure moments to deliver, I think we will see an uptick in results, and, and we should do, because I do, I'm do. i a big, big supporter of Arteta and what he's doing, and from many, many different angles, and I so want to be right about this. You know, I really yeah. do. I feel strongly that this needs to work for us all. Andrew, in circumstances like this where results need to improve, the default position of I think most managers is to fall back on experience and to say look that guy's been there he's done that maybe he's not doing it at the moment but he's definitely done it in the past so I can kind of bank on him producing something between now and and the end of the season at the same time perhaps the most exciting part of this season from an Arsenal point of view has been the emergence and development of young talent Martinelli Saka uh, to a lesser extent Willock um, and Reese Nelson does it require some bravery from Arteta when it comes to his team selections his squad selections um, that he has to perhaps take a risk um, and maybe plump for the inexperience 
in the hope that it will produce something that the more experienced guys haven't produced in the 25 games um, from August until now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly don't expect to see a sort of downturn in his decision to, you know, play some of the young guys. I mean, you look at the decision in January to keep someone like Nketiah, like bringing Nketiah back. I mean, I mean, that to me says that he's thinking more about, you know, using this player, looking to the long term. And I think, you know, with the guys that we've got coming through, you've named a few of them, Saka, Nketiah, Willock, Martinelli, Nelson. You've got a lovely group of technical and exciting players there who can definitely add something to the current setup you've also got a situation where you're kind of looking at the summer and you've got a few players entering the last year of their contract and you're mm. not quite sure what you're going to do with them you probably want to give some of these young guys some minutes because you know this is part of a vital period of development for them looking ahead to next season um you know i i i i think because of the way we're going to be fighting on three fronts that there'll be plenty of opportunity for everyone over the course of the next few months and you, you know we know that injuries will probably come and bite us at some point as well i mean i think it's going to be a really interesting sort of end of season for someone like kieran tierney who you know has had a really frustrating time someone like rob holding is another one i think he'll be just chomping at the bit to try and get a bit of game time and you know he's now got an extra player in front of him potentially in pablo marie and yeah it's 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 interesting i mean there's basically there's lots and lots of choices there i keep looking at the squad going thinking oh we're still potentially quite reliant on urzel firing lacazette firing abamyang firing we, I mean, Oba's always delivered for us, but with those other two, and I think we'll talk about them, it's just, it feels like we're still quite reliant on them, more so than we are in any other position. I can't see, like, Willock just at this moment necessarily usurping Ozil. I think Arteta is quite determined to give Messer as many opportunities as possible to kind of find his feet again. Um, Martinelli is just the one that really excites me, though. I think he could be an absolute storming player in the second half of the season if we manage him correctly. Um, I'd really like to see him get um, some more games in Europe because I think actually he'll tear up Europe. Um, I think he's he's got everything. Well, look, you know, from what we've seen of him so far, it's it's all there in one 18-year-old package. It's got its in- inconsistencies, of course, because of his age. But but Clive, okay, let's let's do the sort of the forward thing because that's been the issue, hasn't it, since Arteta took over? It, he has made things better defensively. We're not cut open the way we were. It doesn't take one simple pass over the top to have us running and chasing our tails. You know, we don't concede as many shots as we used to. The team look better organized, more compact, which is something that I remember Granit Xhaka saying at the start of this season, you know, we've got to be more compact. And as the season went on, we just became stretched and stretched, uh, you know, in in fixture after fixture and there never seemed to be any way of of making that better and Arteta has done that and we can see that and we can appreciate that but it's about finding the balance between that defensive solidity or improved defensive solidity and attacking and being potent and being creative and being uh, effective in the final third and what he's got with two of his most experienced players in Ozil and Lacazette are two players who are finding it very, very difficult to produce what we expect from them and what we've seen from them in the past. You, you, you mentioned the, the goal involvement um, stat that Amy produced in her piece for, um, 
for the Athletic, and I think it's one goal involvement this season for, for Mesut Ozil. Uh, Tim from 7am kickoff did a very good piece on Arsblog News about Mesut Ozil's stats. Lacazette hasn't scored since the start of of January or start of December hasn't gotten away goal in a year basically so when Arteta is looking at how to improve that area of his team how can how can he find the balance between the experience that these players have and and the reliance that a manager might have on them and the end product which just hasn't been there I think he's going the right way about it. I, I think for those who listened to me before, I've been moaning about our build-up and our forward players for even during the Emory year at the start of the season because I felt our lack of ball retention up top and, and security on the ball was causing the, tran- uh, the transition game, the basketball games we were watching. Yeah, I felt we were too deep at the back, obviously, but and the gaps were too big for our midfielders. He's changed that structure less transitions, more security, more control of the ball. But the build-up issues are still there. And part the two players that are massively part of our build-up are Lacazette and, and Ozil. And we maybe have the flourish in Pepe and Martinelli and, and the Bamiyang. So the build-up is key. And, and that's why I think we are, we are quite poor. I don't think we have enough devil physicality to keep the ball under pressure. We don't buy enough fouls. And so we're not getting enough shots off. We're not getting to those danger areas enough. And I think this is a key thing for us now. So when I look at the team, you know, we don't invest massively in, in, in defenders. We don't, you know, we don't pay £50 million for a defender, for example. But we do pay £50 million for strikers. We do that. And we do pay our, our forward players a lot of money. So when I look at a team, just like I would do at work, the highest paid people have the highest responsibility. And I judge them differently because they're paid differently. There's different requirements on them. They have the hardest skill in football, but these players have the talent to deliver and they're not. It is as simple as that and they're not doing it. So now, how does Arteta manage this? Well, he must be looking at them closely and thinking, okay, we have this group of young players. We have this group of players that we may have, we may have speculated on price-wise to see if we can grow some players. And then we have these senior players that we do most of our wage spend, the most of our transfer spend goes into. And it's the senior players that really need to step up now and carry these younger players. Can you imagine, we were all excited about these younger players, but can you imagine how excited we would be if they were being led by stronger personalities in the older players? I think it's those players need to step up. Ozil, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe up to, up to a point, Shaq has turned his game around recently. So th- those are the ones that really need to lead this team now. You know, how, really need to lead them. How long can Clive, can he can he stick with Mesut Ozil, let's say, if he doesn't provide an assist or score a goal in the next two or three games, the same with Lacazette, if he doesn't take the chances that he's had in his previous games, if he continues to shoot blanks, you know, at what point does he have to say, okay, I want you guys to lead this team, but you're not doing it, and now somebody else has to have a go? It's an interesting one. I think if last year when we when Ramsey was around, there was a natural alternative, and so the debate would have been far more vociferous. If we're honest, we're looking at Ozil, we all sort of secretly know he's on a decline. We remember those highlight games in our lives, and they never leave us. 
but he's created a new normal for himself and he's created for his new normal is, is the sideways pass he's not as uh, penetrative he doesn't shoot he's not as aggressive to get into those attacking situations to really threaten teams and there was a I think it might have been the Burnley game there was a situation where they they didn't even mark him they, they let him have the ball mm. because and I think that's a that's a huge insult and that tells you about your dangers. You know, I always say the other team tells you about you. They didn't mark him. They let him have it. And he didn't hurt them enough. And I think we have to wake up and smell this. We really do. And, and he has to wake up and say, actually, I need to look after my phony baloney job here and my money and, and, and start to and start to do something. If there was a natural alternative, we, we think Willock's too young to do that role. He does it a different way. So bias we're not sure about in that role. Smith Rose on loan. You know, can Gwen Doozy do that role? So there is like a natural player mm. jumping out saying, I want that job. And if there was, I think we'd be far more critical about the guy in possession. I have a theory about playing Pepe inside and playing someone else outside him and having Pepe to take that creative role. But that's just a theory. What's it what's it guaranteed on? What's it made on? You know, we haven't quite seen enough on Pepe yet to make that theory solid. I would love to see him come inside. I think he's too easily stopped on the outside of the team. If he comes in one in that five channel attack that we have, I think he could shoot, I think he can assist, I think he'll take people on, I think he'll be more aggressive, I think he'll create space for others. That's just a theory. But do, do, you, know, do you think he's got the the <sighs> What you might call the technical security to play in that position in the in the system that Arteta has put in place. I think he's got the technical ability. Mm. Has he got the technical security to match the physicality of some of the Ben Mees going to tear through the back of him? I'm not sure yet, Andrew. It just needs to be seen. Mm. I just want. I don't want to see him continually on the touchline on the widest point. I think it restricts his movement, and I think it takes away from the goal. He's a scorer. He's not afraid. I have this, this, this a vision that's never left me at Baku when they flashed to Aubameyang and it flashed to Lacazette after the game. And they just looked shell-shocked and afraid of the moment. They looked afraid of the moment. I look at Martinelli, I look at Pepe, and I look at them, I think, you're not afraid, we just have to wait for you. You know, I think it's really important we, that we're not afraid of these big moments because we need to deliver in big moments. That is the next step. That's what turns draws into wins. Mm. They're not traumatised either. Uh, you know, <laughs> these guys by what's coming. No, I mean, I mean that in a... Yeah. In not a, yet. Not yeah. yet. They, I mean, they might get there, Andrew, in fairness, but, you know, not yet. They're not... They're not um, they haven't experienced some of the... Um, some of the joys that Arsenal can bring to a player in his career. But, but Andrew, on Pepe... Um, it's been, and I don't want to say underwhelming because maybe not quite the right word, but I think something approaching that in terms of, in terms of what we uh, have seen from him. Um, you know, if we are going to go on a run, if we are going to start winning games, it would be reasonable to think that a uh, you know our record signing is somebody who might contribute to that over the course of uh, you know what's to come between between now and May. Um, are you confident that he can produce? Is the team sort of set up in a way which doesn't really suit him? You know, do we have to maybe think about, as Clive says, maybe playing him in a different position to get the best out of him and maybe to give the team something different uh, as well? Um, 
it's interesting with Pepe because I don't feel that Arteta is necessarily as wed to sort of playing him uh, just because he's got the uh, got the price tag hanging hanging over his head. You know, I think because he's got Saka, he's got Nelson, he's got some other options out there. I feel like it's it's really on Pepe to deliver to to earn Arteta's trust. Whereas I think you know Lacazette and Ozil have Arteta's trust no matter what at the moment. And you know their issue is obviously confidence. And Arteta's playing a bit of a waiting game, trying to see if giving them more game time will boost the confidence or not. Because it could go either way. The, the thing with Pepe, which has been kind of weird this season, is that you, in the moments when he has delivered, he's delivered exactly as we wanted him to deliver. You know, those brilliant magic moments where it was the free kicks against uh, Vittoria or it was the goal um, against West Ham, you know, coming in off the wing to sort of score in the in the middle of the goal from the, in the Man United game. Mm. Those moments are exactly like they're the, the, the teaser, the trailer, they're the kind of the YouTube highlights package that we've kind of sort of seen and consumed before he joined. And um, it's just about consistency. You know, it wouldn't be that hard for him, I don't think, to get five goals before the end of the season, in which case he'd get to, what, nearly double figures, wouldn't he? Mm. In which case you start to look at it and go, oh, actually, you know, he hit double figures in his first season. That's not too bad. And, you know, if he gets a couple of assists, all right, you know, you start to it starts to change the, the narrative a little bit. Um I think Pepe will benefit from a, an attacking unit functioning more coherently. And obviously that has been a, a massive problem. I think Clive is really right to, to point out the fact that we just struggled to keep the ball up front, really. And I think a lot of that's come down to, you know, let's say Lacazette's inability to, to keep hold of the ball in, in recent weeks and months. Um, and, and, and maybe a kind of slight confusion as to whether or not we should be playing a Bamiyang on the left or in the centre and all that. Um, there's a lot of kind of, yeah, a lot of different things to, to, for, for our test to take into to account um, as, as we go into this next period. I think what will be really interesting is to see what lineup he goes with um, against Newcastle on the weekend, because I think that will have been informed by a seriously, you know, after a couple of weeks of training, all this different tactical work they've been working on you know a lot of the players are back ready fit not suspended all the rest of it like I think what we see at Newcastle is what Arteta probably thinks in his head is his best opportunity best team for the rest of the season yeah yeah. it's going to be a big one It, it is isn't it we can read I think we can read quite a bit into what sort of team and what sort of squad that he picks on Sunday because it it feels now you know, having come off this trip to Dubai, that there is, you know, a very full squad for him to choose from. We don't quite know how close uh, Cedric is to being fit, but, you know, assuming he's not too far away, you've got two right backs and Maitland-Niles. You've got two left backs on the way back. Um, We've got Kolasinac back, I think. Saka is there, Kieran Tierney. um, Not too far away. They're talking about March for him. The centre of defence has been boosted by the return of, uh, or by uh, the signing of Pablo Marie. Danny Ceballos is back and raring to go. If you read his interview in midweek, he's he's you know determined to show that he's got he's got something to offer. Uh, Mikel Arteta in central midfield. Then there's Genduzi, there's Willock, there's Xhaka, there's Torreira. You know, up front, we've talked about Martinelli, we've talked about Aubameyang, Lacazette, Ozil, Pepe, Reese Nelson is in there. Saka, if we get left-backs, he's another guy who can uh, play in, in the final third. So it, it feels, Andrew, like there's a big enough squad between now and May for Arteta to, A, um, 
deal with the fixtures that we have because we're still in three competitions, uh, the two cup competitions in the Premier League, obviously, um, but also maybe create something that's competitive and a, a competitive environment um, in which players um, have to produce because if they don't, there's somebody else there who is going to take their place. Yeah. I mean, you just listing off all of those players, you almost, I mean, over the course of this last half an hour chatting, I'd forgotten some of the players that we had, you know, the Ceballos <laughs> here, the Pepe there. Um, genuinely, we have an amazing, we have actually a very, very good squad, maybe amazing pushing it, but we have a very, very good squad, a squad that most of us were happy with before the season started, by and large. Okay, slight worries about what had happened at the back, but we strengthened at the back. We probably had more successes coming through from the youth team than we expected. It's embarrassing that we're as far down the league as we are. And really, the players need to take that on board and look at it and look around them and go, OK, we're so much better than what we've been delivering. Um, and if, you know, they've all said positive things over the last few weeks about Arteta. And I feel that Arteta has brought a real positive energy and the crowd are on side. They, they have no excuses now. They have no excuses whatsoever in the second half of the season, especially with this run of games now. You know, we're actually quite lucky that this City game's been postponed because it gives us the chance to build a little bit of momentum. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm just desperate to see that because we haven't had it. We haven't had any momentum since, I don't know, maybe the the, the the sort of first half of last season when we had that sort of 22 game run and even then we weren't playing that well um, desperate just desperate because it will just make everything change a couple of wins everything will change Clive thoughts on what momentum might do for this team and uh, winning some games obviously Sunday we hope for we've got a, an, an away game in Europe in Olympiacos before we face Everton another home game you know on paper I'm not saying that we should expect or or be arrogant enough to think that these games are going to be easy. But, you know, if you were to pick a, a little run of fixtures, it's not bad to get yourself going again. Having had that, like, hectic period, then you get your break, you get your days off, you get your squad building, you get your extra training, you get your focus right again. You know, it, it's set up, as Andrew says, for those for those players to start um, to start delivering. I'm, I'm like a starving man and someone just thrown me a double whopper right? I need I need my double whoppers I need my wins I need them we're all starving for them you know we absolutely are you know the Man United game felt like a European Cup final you know it shouldn't be like that you know it yeah. shouldn't be like that you know I remember watching the West Ham game when we won there 3-2 it, it meant too much because cause what it would have meant if we didn't win that game we're sliding down the table. This isn't. This isn't right. This doesn't. This isn't right. We have no divine right to have five wins on the trot, but three would be nice. Even two. Do you know what I mean? Uh, just yeah. give me, give me something. I mean, this club and this squad, and the resources that we put into the players, and everything around the club is much more focused in the right way. I think as a group of fans, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to ask for a couple of wins, you know, and and we, uh, I, I tell you, it would it would explode if we were to get three wins on the trot because you, everything yeah, we feel would then be validated by performance. Mm, I mean, I was going to say, do you feel in some way comforted or more confident by the fact that we're not losing, that there are a lot of draws and it, it, it might not be 
quite as big a step to to go from drawing a lot of games to winning uh, not not as big as it would be if you were losing on a on a regular basis. So I was thinking about it today actually. Whatever we do, and I'm prepared, even though I am I'm starving, I'm prepared to wait for my burger, right? I'm prepared to wait because I need this to be sustainable. I don't want it to be an, a flash in the pan and we fall back again. I'm prepared to wait. If we're building the building blocks, we're building foundations, we're talking about things about player behaviours on and off the pitch, body language, patterns, positional play, controlling the ball, all of the things Arteta has done from a leadership perspective, how he's connected to the players, how he's connected to the fans, how the players are connecting to the fans. These are all the pillars of a successful club. They need to be sustained. The next phase of us is improving the player quality, getting the age profile right of the whole squad, making sure we're buying the right players aligned to a style of play that we we now recognize or are starting to recognize that could change again in the summer he's put a pattern of playing pace in place based on the players he has today when he maybe changes some of those players it may change again but whatever he does as long as we're all aligned and we have a single common goal that we're all going for so when we do arrive to position where we are challenging the league for the top four. It's not a once, it's not once, it's the next year, mm. the next year, the next year. This has to be sustainable. We have to move away from hoping we're going to get close to these teams. I want to get to a position where I know we're going to get close to these teams and then we're, we're layering on top of that next year and next year on. Andrew, um, Mikel Arteta had nine, ten games in six weeks, something like that, when he took over. And I think he he, uh, he did as well as he could with them. Uh, there were moments, of course, where his inexperience showed, uh, perhaps during substitutions and, and things like that. But he wasn't helped with some injuries and some red cards and, and what have you. Um, he's been away with them. He, he feels like a guy who wants to see the best in the players that he has and he wants to help the players and get the best out of them. Do you think over the course of these two weeks uh, away and the the previous six weeks in which he's been in charge, you know, he will have had some time to start, if not making his mind up about certain players, but, but certainly coming to his own judgments on them from the outside he might have looked at players or you know there are players in the squad that that he knows um from his time at the club it feels to me like he will have had time to think about what they've given him and what they've not given him and and that might well inform the decisions that he makes between now and the end of the season yeah i think it was really interesting one of the interviews he gave with the official website he basically openly said that they'd done an audit of all of the games that he'd had so far and i think for him to sit down with the guys the team that he's built and actually just take stock of what's been good what's been bad where can there be improvements who's delivered who's not delivering you know who's sort of buying into the the, the new system um, I think that's really really important because I, I think it's probably it's so hard I think for us to assess just how crazy busy this has been for them in the last six seven weeks right I mean if any of us had been in a, a new job for six or seven weeks, you'd still be trying to get to know a few of your colleagues' names. I mean, they've yeah. travelled all over the country. Uh, every, you know, every few days they've had matches. They've had, um, you know, injuries to deal with, the suspensions, everything. It's just been 
manic, absolutely manic. This, I mean, this is a, an absolute blessing this winter break for, for Arteta as, as far as I'm concerned. And as I said before, like I think now that he's had that opportunity to, to sit down with the players individually, collectively, um, talk them through everything, that this, you know, this next game suddenly becomes a real interesting one. Like, who does he like? Who doesn't he like? Who does he fancy? Who, who does he think is going to work well off the bench and be a game changer? Um, you know, there's going to be a few disappointed uh, faces come Saturday, Sunday, uh, Sunday, because, you know, not everyone's going to make the squad and they're going to, he's going to need to balance some of those personalities and those frustrations. Um, that for him is going to be quite a challenge because he's never really had to do that. He's always probably been the, the shoulder to cry on when he's been at, at City. Um, whereas now he's the main guy and he's going to have to let someone else sort of sort of deal with some of those disappointments. He has to be quite clinical. Um I'm kind of excited for him, you know. You know, this is a, a huge opportunity. To a certain extent, you know, while the players need to put some pressure on themselves and go for it, he kind of has a bit of a free run at everything for the next sort of four or five months. Um, the players, less so. The players are the ones who've failed under, let's say, two, three different managers now. Um, but Arteta's got a bit of a free run, and I, I'm confident, I'm genuinely confident that he can do something. But um, it's, it's on the players. He really, you know, we'll just have to see what happens. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Clive, you talked about squad building and what might happen in, in the summer. And I think we... Generally, as you have said, we, we have this sort of faith in Mikel Arteta and, and faith in his vision, because I think we can see very clearly that there is a vision. And maybe we're latching onto it because under the previous manager, there didn't really seem to be one that we could ever connect with. Um, yeah. Maybe there was in Emery's head, but it didn't really communicate to us as fans. And that caused you know a lot of friction. It caused a lot of problems and it caused ultimately a loss of faith in him which was coupled with the results and the performances that we saw but but Arteta can go to those above him and say look this is what I think this is what I think of 
the players that I have, and this is who I want to keep, and these are the ones that I deem expendable. These are the players that I would like. He might not go into the specifics of who that might be, but he might say to them, I need a player of this profile in this position, et cetera, et cetera. It's up to them to go and, and, and find those players. But when we look at Arsenal and we look at the squad building that, that has taken place, um, do you worry that perhaps he is being or might end up being a little bit hamstrung by the people who are making those decisions and who are ultimately responsible for that. So if we look at this season, Czech retired, Ramsey was let go, Mkhitaryan was sold or loaned out on the last day of the transfer window, Iwobi was sold, Monreal was sold, Koscielny um ended up leaving because of the way that he behaved, but we have to ask why why it was he behaved like that. Um, there are issues that the club have to deal with in a serious way. Uh, Welbeck as well, sorry, I forgot from last season, Welbeck left, and Ramsey and Welbeck, of course, as we know, left for free. Um, players who could have brought some money in, and, and you look at the, the, the contractual situations that the club have to deal with. They can't bury their heads in the sand and ignore the fact that Mesut Ozil has a year left on his contract. Aubameyang has a year left on his contract. Mustafi will have a year left on his contract. Uh, Socrates will have a year left on his contract. That if we step back and objectively look at the work of squad building that has happened over the last 18 months, it hasn't been great. So as much as Arteta has this vision that we can all... Um, try and get behind he's sort of at the mercy of the people above him he is and we all trust him don't we right <laughs> so um so i think uh he is but I, I do think what he's shown is a quality of self right so with emery i think we had an authoritarian coach it was sort of his way very strong what he wanted to do until he wasn't strong anymore and started contradicting himself when he lacked a bit of and he became more insecure and worried about other people more than worried about his own team his own players and that was manifested in the way he communicated and he lost faith in people so done this guy's come in and he's immediately connected to everybody and the players are bursting to talk about him because they're excited because players are great judges of other players and of coaches. If they're not having you, they let you know in two minutes, it's over, it's done, they never come back. However, when players see somebody that knows what they're doing, they, they it starts, it's like a village football, they start to communicate, they start to talk. It's very important the work he's doing because other players will want to come and join. We're not hearing about, you know, we're not seeing about Young sign a contract, but we're not hearing about him wanting to, you know, go anywhere. There were players queuing up to go, it felt like, in the start of the season. We're not seeing that. So we're seeing a connection. We're seeing people on board. I think it's going to be interesting to see because we don't know him well enough to know what type of player that he likes. We don't know in this new model the influence of the club and how much they're driving the strategy and just give them tools to play with. We don't know that. We used to know it was one-man band before, single point of failure, we knew everything, where it went to, where it stopped and started. Mm. We don't quite know the percentile of influence across the new structures. We've seen the org chart, but we don't know who's really running the show. We can suspect, but we really don't know. I'm hoping that this period of wins we, we're ho ho hoping for, they give him the authority to be in whatever room he needs to go into 
to say exactly what you said, Andrew. This is what I want. This is where I need to go. You need now to move with me. I'm not moving with you mm. because I've I've got the buying of everybody around me. The fans are behind me. The club, you know, the key people around the club are behind me. The key players are around are behind me. The key young players are now my disciples. You know, and now he's in a bit of control. And if he's good enough, I want him to have that control. You know, I, I still like a layered organisation. But if we're going to hold him responsible, then let him have a level of responsibility, true responsibility, not make him somebody that panders to the to the silent faces that we that we don't really know so well in the boardroom, etc. Mm. Um, Andrew, it, one of the things that Arteta said when he took over, if I could be paraphrasing him, but he wanted to create a culture of accountability at the club, which he obviously felt was not something that that was there and. It felt to me like he wasn't simply talking about players because accountability, if you're a head coach or your manager or whatever it is, you can implement that in a heartbeat. If a player doesn't do what you want them to do, you don't pick them. Simple as that. Um, But I think he was talking about the organization as a whole, that everybody from top to bottom has to be accountable, has to be um responsible for the duties that they have and the work that they have to do and they have to do it as well as they can possibly do it and you know he's only been here six seven weeks Arteta but I I do feel like if it was necessary for him to go like above somebody's head at board level or to go straight to to Denver or wherever it might be to pick up the phone to Josh or Stan to to talk about how things weren't right that that he would do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if he's been given uh, the invite to the WhatsApp group or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for the moment, it sounds as though the relationship he's building with Edu is one that is built on mutual respect. They seem to have an understanding. Um, I get the reasons why we're all a little bit suspicious about some of the business that we're doing, because it all seems to sort of be coming from certain sources, sources that we never used to trust before, um, some of these super agents. And it, look, it may well be that we end up doing a few of these deals where it looks like we're scratching an agent's back just so that it gives us first dibs on someone else further down the line. Um, I don't really like the way that that's the way the world works, but it feels like some of our work is going to have to be like that. Um, we just, we don't, you know, Arson had all of his contact book himself. You know, he was able to pick up the phone and do it all on his own. Um, I don't think we necessarily have that set up now. Um I'd like to think that for the most part, Mikel is the type of person who is willing to try and get on with everybody. We'll see as the pressure turns up whether you know he finds that he's being disappointed by people around him. I mean, I think it's really interesting that you know he has this coaching staff which he's effectively picked from scratch. I know there are people he's come across before in his his life, but he's never worked with them in the way that he's working with them at the moment. So mm. it's possible that some of the you know he it may be a bit of test and learn for him with those people around him and he may find that there are gaps that he wants to fill with other people uh, over the course of the the coming months and and, and into next season um but you know i i i, I don't really want to sort of sort of focus on him maybe picking fights with let's say a raul figure or uh, a host figure or something you know it's for the moment i'm trying to think oh it's positive at least we don't really have to worry about transfers on the surface for a couple of months i mean i'm sure there's sort of frantic uh, paddling going underneath the water trying to get deals moving and all the rest of it but um 
yeah, for the moment, I as a fan don't have to worry too much about <laughs> about transfers. Yeah, yeah. Look, we did our we did our little bit of business in in January. It'll take us to the summer, and I think the summer is going to be interesting. But more interesting is is what happens between now and then on the pitch, what we can produce, and hopefully uh, results will start to improve, and we can we can really build something, uh, build a platform that we can uh, take on to to next season. We'll see what happens. Uh, pleasure discussing it with you both. Uh, Andrew, thank you very much. Thank you. And Clive, uh, who you can listen to on the Arsenal Vision podcast uh, every week. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, mate. You can follow Clive on Twitter at ClivePAFC and Andrew is at A. Allen Sport. And thank you very much indeed to the two gents for the discussion and for joining me on this week's podcast. James and I will be here on Monday. We will be looking back on the Newcastle game on Sunday. Hopefully three points, hopefully a performance, hopefully a win, hopefully all of those things that we can get going again and get our season going again. And uh, the the optimism and the hope that we have can manifest itself in terms of three points, goals, performance, all of those things that we all want to see. So let's keep fingers crossed for that. Have yourselves a great weekend. Until the next one, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. This is Holy God FM and there you go, one of the holiest bands of the 1980s, the Christians, and their big smash hit about the town where they invented the vacuum cleaner, Hooverville. We have a text here from a listener on 55316, your text costs just 45 cent, and they say, can I have two double cheeseburgers with chips? Now, this is Holy God FM. We're not like Gruber Eats or Delivery Do or one of those companies that doesn't pay their staff properly or give them contracts or makes them cycle around in the rain with a gigantic box on their back. Are we really in 2020? And that is the most aerodynamic way in which food can be transported by poor unfortunate men on bicycles who are under pressure for time from angry customers and looking at their smartphones trying to figure out which cul-de-sac or estate they're supposed to be peddling to. Surely you have a chip shop near you. Or buy a bit of mince yourself and make a burger. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. I'm glad we took your 45 cents. There are no refunds. All that money will go to good causes.
Now, let's get back on with the tunes. And this, from the look, is called I Am The Beat. I'm going to get a burger myself just to stick it to Morrissey. What a fucking prick he is these days. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.